Welcome to Her Legal Global. I'm your host, Faye Gelb. Our podcast is dedicated to providing you with actionable skills to empower your legal career. And today we're welcoming Pamela Denove. She's a lawyer and law firm strategist, and she's here to talk to us about lawyers, rainmaking to six figures. She's been working in this field for 25 years, so she has a lot of expertise to share with us today. She helps lawyers who are stalled in their law practice, who have over time lost their love and enthusiasm for the practice of law. They realize they're not making the money that they want to or deserve to, and they're not living up to their potential. She helps lawyers organize and grow their law practices, significantly increase their income, and regain not only their enthusiasm, but focus on mental, emotional, and physical well-being. So I just want to welcome you, Pamela. It's a delight to have you. Thank you for having me, Bay. I'm very glad to be here. We're just going to dive right down into this topic, and let's start with what is it? Before I go into the details of it, not as difficult as it seems. People hate to hear it, but it starts with one's mind. Being able to realize that that's what you deserve. That's what you are here for. You've gone to law school. You've done all the work and you're in a field that remunerates you properly for the work you're doing. You know, a lot of times lawyers, they come in and I'll probably be talking about this a lot is they come in as worker bees. Worker bees are fine. That means that's an hourly rate. I love that analogy of the worker bee. We're taught it's a profession. So it's very hard to shift from that mindset of just going in there, getting the work done, letting the work speak for us, when in fact, that's not really how we need to be thinking about it to really achieve our potential. So let's just talk a little bit about what is the actual rainmaking for six figures. Okay, so the first thing is, is that you have to set the foundation. So say someone comes to me, first thing we have to do is we will work on the mindset and the mindset will something we will consistently, you have to constantly feed yourself the right nourishment. It's just like if someone were a Olympic track runner, they don't go and run a great race and then kind of rest on their laurels. They have to eat right. They have to sleep right. They have to consider themselves as an athlete. They have to think about what they spend their spare time doing. I consider the profession of law uh, is like being a good athlete. So they take in that consideration and develop the habits. A six-figure income lifestyle is a habit. It's not something you kind of go into just haphazardly. It's something that you really take seriously. So you start with the habit. When I work with someone, the first thing I want to do is I want to, especially if it's a solopreneur or even if they're working for a firm, I want to know what is their organizational habits on a daily basis. There's no need going out there, bringing in a lot of business and you can't handle it. Or you don't have your desk or your practice organized in a way that you can handle a six figure. So the first thing we do is kind of say, what is your daily practices? How are you handling your cases? How are you organizing your desk? How are you organizing your schedule? And so that we can look and see where are the strengths and where are the weaknesses, what needs to be changed, what needs to be enhanced. Many people that come to work with me, they want to have a six-figure income, but their desks are disorganized and they don't know what they're behind on the cases they have. And so therefore, we can't you know, go out there and rain make and bring a whole bunch of business in and they can't even handle what they have. The second thing is, is that if they're not going to be a worker bee, then they have to learn how to delegate. So that delegating is paralegals and associates that one will have to work. If one is an associate, 
then one would want to see how they can team up with someone to uh, support them in what they're doing. It's this being a silo, working by yourself, as I said earlier, the worker bee, doesn't get you to the six-figure income. We can't bring in more business unless we're really organized to be able to funnel that business and to be able to do it in a way that isn't going to overwhelm us and knock us down. So that's bringing in part of that well-being that we were talking about originally. But how does this all relate to becoming a habit? Is that in the organizational structure that you set up with this person? When does it become a habit? It's said that it takes about six weeks for something to become a habit. I think it's more like 90 days of consistent behavior and actions. Somehow or another, you got to create an accountability structure so that if you're going to organize this, or if you're going to handle this, you have to be accountable. I'm literally, okay, what is the workflow? I have a client that has tons of business, but it's all backlog because it was all on her desk. And so I try to break it down so it's kind of fun and and not stressful. So I said, okay, you got to treat these cases like they're a hot potato. When the it comes on your desk, you, it doesn't sit on your desk. Okay, here's a stack of people that you could get the work to, who you're going to get the work to, and who's going to do the work. And then when the work comes back, what is the next thing? So now all of a sudden, this person who has all this work, who definitely has a six-figure practice, but it's not a six-figure practice because all of the work is sitting there bottlenecked because she can't get to all of it. I want to know where those cases are going, how fast they're moving, so that we know that there is a flow of how this work is coming in and how the work is being delegated. And then what is the disposition of it? Is it something that has a deadline? Is there a court date? So all of those things, I help my clients to organize their practice because the ABA verifies this. There's a high percentage of ADHD in among lawyers, high percentage. And that doesn't say anything about the brilliance, the intelligence, the education or the knowledge. But if you have that ADHD or OCD even, which is a high percentage, you really need to have someone to help you organize your practice so that you can remunerate it and become successful as you want to be. I love that you just raised the whole issue of ADHD because I think it's so important that we work with what people have. So the process that you're setting up with each of your individual clients is something that allows them to use their strengths and the things that don't work for them and to fix those so that they can then do this delegation. And the delegation that we're talking about is using the people around us. I know I personally found it quite a challenge to delegate. Do you find that with the lawyers that you're working with as well? Sometimes it's literally like kicking and screaming because lawyers can be really control freaks and absolutely think that no one could do it as as well as they can do it. So they're trying to manage this. I have a couple of clients that they started off as was just them. And then they actually got a couple of paralegals to help them. And then there's paralegal services. Like if you're a solopreneur, you could get a paralegal service. Say, for example, an attorney, they're making $350 an hour. Where you need to get your mindset is, is you need to be a $500 an hour lawyer. But you may not be there right now, but that's what we're going to think of your time as. So when you look at a task on your desk, is this something that a $500 an hour lawyer should be doing? Or should a paralegal be doing it for perhaps $25 an hour? Great question. when they start looking at their law practice that way, 
then they see, oh, okay, I'm, I'm like spending my time doing these things that a paralegal or administrative assistant can do. For example, one of my clients couldn't get the billing out, couldn't get the collections out. We looked at, you need to hire someone you can train to do the billing. And I have another client, she hired me originally because she had stayed home with her children. She was in a paralegal position. And because she had missed all those years raising her children, she felt she couldn't be a lawyer. She was so upset with the dollar fee that she was making. Another paralegal was making more than she was. She contacted me and she said, I feel like I, I really could be a lawyer. She used to be a public defender. I feel like I've just missed the boat. So we worked together. And so she got her confidence back and went out and started her own practice. Fast forward, she contacts me. She says, Pamela, I have more work than I know what to do with. I need to scale. I want to scale. I want to make a half a million dollars a year. Here we are. You got to hire people. You got to scale your business. You have to scale your practice. When you're more committed to progressing than staying in your own comfort zone, being a six-figure income is all about being out of your comfort zone every single day. But what you're also talking about, though, is having somebody to guide you, because I think for lawyers, it can be especially overwhelming when you haven't been taught the business side of things and you don't know the steps to take. And it can be so much easier if you work with a coach like yourself to be able to take those steps. What about associating with people with the same mindset? How does that play into this? That's very key. You know, they say that your income level is really around the five people that you associate with mostly, you know, and you can find these individuals, you know, I mean, you really can't go by appearances necessarily on LinkedIn because a lot of people will project that they're making a lot more money than they are, but you can weed that out and you can find people go to bar association meetings. The people who are out there marketing are the people you want to be with. The people there that are in a firm they're holding out their hands, being handed the work. You know, they could be making six figures, but maybe not. And another thing I have to say this, you know, my clients, I have helped many of my clients get on LinkedIn and start posting on LinkedIn and commenting and liking and doing all that, participating in LinkedIn. Now, $500 an hour lawyer going to be posting on LinkedIn. So for example, one of my clients, I had him hire a writer his paralegal gets the structure of it, hand it to someone who does their blog because he does the company blog, do these articles. And then the assistant goes on, likes and, and shares. Again, it's all about delegation. Those are things that marketing takes time. And if you're a $100,000 a year person, it's going to be pretty hard for you to be spending 10 hours a week on LinkedIn. I just want to take you back to one of those comments that you had earlier, which was about the the lawyers that are marketing and the lawyers that aren't. My perspective on that is that all lawyers should be out there. Even if they don't need the actual work, they need to be developing those relationships because you never know where life will take you. And if you wait, you could find yourself in a position where you simply missed the boat. Would you say that's accurate? Yeah, I see it so often. In a lifetime before I used to be a headhunter for partner level attorneys with a million dollars plus of business. And I was really good at it, by the way, but I did it for about six years. I saw it all the time. They went in, they were fed business by the firm. And in many cases, what happened was 
The firm was fat as far as it had business, it had things to, to give to the, their staff. So the person never worried about rainmaking. And then one day the firm says, why aren't you bringing in business? And if the person may have been with the firm for 18 years and never had done rainmaking, depended on the firm to give them business. And now all of a sudden the firm and most firms today is saying, where is the business? And Would you so, say that's a particularly big concern for women? There's a huge attrition of women as they go through law. You know, a lot of the rainmaking strategists and people that are telling people to go out there to rainmaking are telling them to women, especially to do the rainmaking in a male dominated way, which is not going to be effective for women. They have to choose the, the methods that work for them. One of the people I believe it was in my community was talking about how, you know, she decided that she would do it in terms of an organization or volunteering or participating in a different way. So it doesn't always have to be on the golf course or drinks after work or that type of thing. But we have to be cognizant of it. We have to know that that's existing. And we need to strategically think about how we want to go about this so that we can, in fact, develop those relationships over time. And what other tools would you say that we have to do to use in order to go ahead with this? So once you realize, okay, this is the real world, And then you want to look at what are my strengths and what are my weaknesses? That's very important. Don't send someone out to marketing, networking meeting who hates networking that way because it's not going to be sustainable and it's not going to be enjoyable. So there's a lot of ways that you can look at it. You need to take it by a case-by-case basis. Do I like to volunteer in these particular organizations? What are my favorite organizations? Who do I know? Could I write? Do I speak? You have to look and see what are the things every single person has something innate in them that they can use as a strength, as a foundation to market. And don't be a copycat. If everybody's all doing the same thing, guess what? You don't stand out. So you want to find out what it is that that makes you to say makes your heart sing and just and just kind of be with it. Like, can I use this to make money? How can I participate in this particular organization and meet people? I have a client and she had been a, a public defender. She wanted to get into patent law and the trademarks, and having really no experience doing it. And she created a practice. What she loved to do, she loved to go to these annual meetings for their organizations. And so she went in there and she got a a big client with the Disney organization. Some people are good at gifts. How did this person get that client? Okay, it's, it's Christmas time. You just met this person. Send them something substantial. Send them something that they won't forget. And I think it was like some pears. It was pears, whatever kind of pears. And the people all ate the pears and they just thought she was wonderful and she got an opportunity to get into the business and has and has now volunteered in the particular organizations and has built her practice that way. There are all kinds of ways that we haven't even thought about. But a lot of times, as I'm going to go back to my original statement, a lot of times people don't get to really expand their horizons because they're so busy looking at what everyone else is doing and th- and beating themselves up because they're not doing it. If you try to say, okay, I'm going to go to a networking meeting, a, a, say a BNI or whatever, and you hate those meetings 
and you find you're, that you're not getting business and then you're beating yourself up and then you're half going or when you go, you're, you're not getting any new clients, then look at what you're doing. You know, a lot of people say, you know, I want to make a six-figure income. I want to b- build my law practice. First of all, you have to be honest with yourself. How do you know whether you're a six-figure income person is look around you. Look around you. Look at the people you're associated with. Look at what's in your bank account. Look at what's coming in. And so then acknowledge where you are. My favorite saying is you can't be in Detroit and think you're in New York and get to Los Angeles because you're not going to take the right streets. You're not going to take the right highways. So the important thing is to really know where you are. This is where I am. I'm making $50,000 a year. I'm making $60,000 a year. My, my desk is disorganized. I'm doing too much myself. Like make a list. I invite everyone who's on this listeners podcast, take a moment. Just really look around you and list where you are. Not with judgment, not to beat yourself up. The first thing you got to do out, out the shoot is clean my desk up clean up my practice. Now you you walk in, you feel great. You got to feel good to go out there and do rainmaking. You can't go there and you got papers everywhere and you don't know where everything is. You feel behind. And now let me go out and rainmake. It doesn't really work. Yeah. I think what you're saying though, is that even if we, it's important to take this time, but when we take this time, we can still get to Los Angeles, no matter where we start, as long as we look and realistically assess where we're at, look -hmm. at our strengths and weaknesses. I love that we're taking the judgment out of it. It's not about judgment. It's not to beat ourselves up because lawyers have often a very huge perfectionist type of mentality. And I think that really is detrimental to progress. Like we need to be able to let go of that and just realistically look at where we're at in order to be able to say non-judgmentally, okay, these are our next steps to building a book of business. And so we're just going to talk about the tools. What tools would we need to just briefly touch on there? What I wanted to say is you have to start. Okay. So you find out where you are and then you say, okay, how am I going to start? So how you start, maybe you might say, okay, I'm going to email people. I don't know. I'm going to, maybe it's even messaging people that you meet on LinkedIn. A lot of times lawyers can get a lot of business from other lawyers. So you start looking to see, okay, what is going to be the approach? You have to decide on what you're going to do. So like some of my clients, I'll say, just first thing when you get in the office, write two emails out for marketing or First thing you get in the office or set your calendar, you're going to make a phone call. I'm going to join an online group. What are you going to do? And then commit to doing that. Can't be sporadic. The most important part of marketing is consistency. And you have to be in it for the long run. You don't jump on LinkedIn, successful marketing on Facebook. Some people are very successful on Instagram. Some are successful on Twitter. But whatever it is that you decide, don't try to do everything. Start small. But whatever it is you say you're going to do, make it that you're going to do it every day. You you have to draft this marketing message. So how would we go about that? Like you you often hear on LinkedIn, for example, when we're building our LinkedIn out, it's like you're to develop a relationship first. It's not, you know, hi, give me business. It's hi, and you make some sort of connection. And then you've offered something of value. Then you move into another stage of the relationship. How do you set it up with your clients in these marketing messages? 
safe example of there, they want to be in real estate law. They want to find real estate lawyers or they're going to find realtors. One of my clients, she was a real estate lawyer, so she networked with realtors. So she had relationships, ongoing relationships, went to lunch, called them, stayed in touch with them. We had, had a hot list and she continually nurtured those relationships with lawyers. If you're going to do on LinkedIn, you're going to develop a relationship. I always call it, there's the welcome message. You know, I do that myself. There's a welcome message. You don't make a long message. Just say, hi, I'm so glad we connected. I mean, usually when I, I don't do myself, but I have my VA to do that. Hi, how are you doing? How's 2020 going? That's it. And then they'll respond or not. And then I, I have a procedure. So we'll say, hi, how are you doing? The second thing I do is a couple of days later, even if I haven't heard from them, I send them an article that I've written. I was thinking about you, like to share this article with you. And I also might look on their profile and endorse them for something. And then there's a third message, invitation to subscribe. I have a LinkedIn newsletter and then I give them, I think it's my website or something like that. So you just kind of slowly drip. Some people, majority of people aren't going to respond. Don't be dissuaded by that. Also, as far as being a lawyer, there are regulations and you, in certain locales, you cannot directly go out there and say, hey, be my client. You can't do it. It's, it's against the rules. So you, you have to really be aware of what the rules are there. And then there's always ways around it. There's ways of, of networking. You can give online events or you can give personal events. You give luncheons. You could give lunch and learns. You can set yourself up as an expert. Right. It's very important. And that's where if you're on LinkedIn, it's very good to write articles and position yourself and making sure that you have the right profile. A lot of lawyers will have their profiles as a resume and LinkedIn tells you, you want to make your profile as if you're talking to someone who, you know, as an advertisement, are you in the middle of a divorce or do you know not where to turn or things like that so that they can see, oh yeah, that's somebody I would like to work with. If you kind of talk about, yeah, and then I did this and then I was over here and I was over there. It's like, well, what does that have to do with me? There are all kinds of videos, even on YouTube, you could go on that or you can Google with LinkedIn and LinkedIn will tell you different things about how to use LinkedIn, their courses. I've spent thousands of dollars learning how to use LinkedIn. But with that said, they change it and then you have to start all over again. So so you definitely want to make sure that you keep track of what are the new algorithms and things like that. You want to decide what it is you're going to do. You're going to make sure that you put it in your schedule. That's the most, those are the two most important things. (laughs) You know, people say you're going to do all this and do that. And then they have this whole program. They go to take a course or whatever, and they do nothing or they do it for two, two or three days. So the important thing is decide what you're going to do, decide where you're going to start, give yourself a goal. Like you could say, okay, For 90 days, I am going to send a message every day to someone or I'm going to connect with a new person on LinkedIn. Once a month, I'm going to do this for 90 days. Whatever you do, do it for a specific period of time. And then if that doesn't work, you start, you do something else. The bottom line is if you're going to be a rainmaker, you're going to make mistakes. There's a saying called fail forward. So you you go in, you do your best. You see what works and then what doesn't work, you say, okay, let me revisit it. 
you know, let me talk with some folks. Maybe I might talk with a coach. Lately, I've been offering a 30-minute coaching for people because it's the pandemic. So I have made this available where people can come in. I give them the form. I give them a video. And I give them a 30-minute coaching session to get them started and on their way. You know, someone might help you or someone who's who you see that's on LinkedIn, one of your colleagues or someone in your support group. I think that women lawyers should always be a part of support group, not necessarily local, because now on Zoom, you can be part of a group all over the country or all over the world, but make yourself a part of a group. Don't be out there being the lone ranger, trying to figure all this stuff out by yourself. I think that ties into the mindset as well, what we were talking about originally. So we have our mindset where we're getting ourselves oriented to having a six-figure income and that's talking about like a positive affirmations, like maybe a routine, some meditation, that kind of thing. But we're also talking about moving forward and using what we're learning there to then set up a structure. So now we've talked about our profile and then how we're going to begin to reach out to people. And there's different types of rainmaking. Like we've talked a little bit about that. So there's the, the speaking, networking, we have emails, online groups, chambers of commerce, even we could be looking at. And basically, we need to get people to know us so that they want to do business with us. What about research? So like now I'm sitting here, there's a zillion people on LinkedIn. I'm looking at as a lawyer, I'm maybe working in a specific area. How do you recommend people go about doing the research that's going to hone in because as you were talking about earlier you know there's a lot of people out there but you can figure out who is actually the ones that are marketing themselves so how do we do the research that's going to get us the results that we want in terms of the real people that could potentially be our clients and not just people that are going to take up a whole lot of time and not really want to pay for our services linkedin is they have sales navigator where you can do these searches according to professions or industries. I remember I had a client and she found a good businesses in breweries. There were breweries in her location and that they were good clients for her. You have to decide who are the people that I am going to reach out for. Another client may put themselves on a list. Some people may contact a bar association or other organizations that refer them out, like for criminal law. You know, you can be on a list where you get a steady feed of who's just recently arrested or who just recently got a ticket. You can contact people. You can ask people who you know. You know, I'm looking for to offer my service to bankers. Do you know anyone? I guess also older lawyers or solopreneurs that are a bit overwhelmed with their own business or they're getting kind of referrals. Because I know often solopreneurs get the types of clients that they don't necessarily do that type of law. So those people might also be a great source of work that we could go to. What about when we're talking about referral partners, though? That is something that always mystifies me. I'm always trying to figure out who would be a good referral partner. Is there a way for us to kind of hone in? What would you suggest there? Especially for the lawyers who cannot really directly go out there and ask for clients. It's good to find someone who might have a complimentary service uh, practice to yours that will be referring business to you. And they can even, a lot of my clients, the biggest business they get are 
people that are in the same, the same practice area, but they may need local counsel. It might be a conflict. One of my clients got a great big trial because another attorney was conflicted out, but it's out of just keeping those relationships alive, being out there as an expert. I had another client and I had her in Susan, some sort of litigation. I said, look in your, she was in Atlanta. I said, look at older lawyers who probably are retiring or don't want to work that much offer to be there of counsel and for them to give you their work. Another one of my clients went to an older guy and he just gave her his practice because he was tired. He was ready to retire. So, you know, we've, we're in an age of a lot of baby boomers. So the younger lawyers want to really not discount these older lawyers, but not only can they be great mentors, but they could also help you by giving you cases or referring you to some of their people. This is what I say about business. Call it this way. You have the people you know, and I call that your children. And then the people that they know, and I call that your grandchildren. And it's the people that the grandchildren know, which will be your great-grandchildren. Generally, I find that most people get their business through the grandchildren. So that's not who you know. It may not be in the people that they know, but it's the people that they know. So it's like the third generation. So that's how tiered you want to build your relationships. Because if you just kind of deal just with the people you know, you limit yourself. But, you know, we're six degrees of separation. So if you expand your relationships, ask the people you know. Who do you know? This is what I'm looking for. Someone that can, that probably will have cases that they might refer to me. Who do you know? And people are, especially women today, are really eager and ready to help each other to, to build their practices because they, they've been there, done that, and they know how it is. So that's and, a, uh, a great example of asking for the work. So mm-hmm. what we really need to do is just to begin to open up those conversations with people and, and just be blunt about what we're really looking to do as we expand our practices or look to increase the amount of clients that we have. Any other examples of how we can ask for the work that you could provide? For example, to go and ask a banker, I know your bankers want to learn how to buy a house. I'll come in and give a seminar. Don't look at institutions like, oh, these big institutions, I can't get business from there because you can. Institutions are made of people. I have a client who wanted to do mediations. Get in touch with the insurance companies. You know, offer to come in and do a lunch and learn. Even if they don't let you come in, you've now established. Go to lunch or could you send them a basket of fruit or there are different ways. Once you get to know people and kind of maybe they're too busy, send them a card. Just start the relationship. Build a relationship. So you would say that what often gets in the way of something like this is the fear. Right. The fear and intimidation of, I can't possibly go ask that, but you can sit on the side of the curb and not ask and be right where you are a year from now. It's the mindset that you're willing to fail. You're willing to hear no, because every no gets you closer to yes. What expected results could we hope to achieve if we're able to do what you've been talking about today? You could create a six-figure income in a year. In a year. You really could. You could do it in a year. It would take working every day. It would take going getting outside of your comfort zone and having conversations with people. The only way you're going to get new business is having conversations with people. You have to find out what works with your people. For some people, it's by phone. Some people, it's by email. Some people, it has to be face-to-face. Some is networking. You just have to find out 
where your people are. That's the biggest thing. And then say, I'm going to take one action. Say an action that you know you'll do every day. Be idealistic. And then three weeks down the road, I can't do this. And you just say to yourself, I may not see immediate results, but I'm going to do it every day for 90 days. And then I'm going to reevaluate at the end of 90 days what I will change. Not that I'm going to stop. If it's not working at the end of 90 days, talk to people and say, this is what I'm doing. What do you suggest? That could be another lawyer. It could be a a support group. It could be a coach, but keep doing something. So how can people reach out to you? Okay. They can reach me at my website, which is www.pamela.deneuve. It's Pamela, P-A-M-E-L-A. And the last name spelling is D like David, E, N like Nancy, E, U, V like Victor, E.com. www.pamela.deneuve.com. Wonderful. Thank you again for coming on. It's been a real pleasure. Her Legal Global, empowering and transforming us through skills and shared wisdom. For other great episodes, follow us and be sure to check out herlegalglobal.com for a community, informative skills-based articles, and to work with me, your host, Faye Gelb.